This episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up after this. Hello there. Do you like real-life historical tales? If so, have I got the perfect podcast for you. My name is Alice, and I host the Backtracker History Show. Based in the UK, this self-confessed geek takes you for a stroll down memory lane and shares stories and interesting nuggets of information that has been discovered along the way. From tales of tragedy and sadness to epic stories of human courage or creativity, there are many people in history who have made their mark, however small. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, and remember to leave a rating or review if you can. If you want to find out more, you can get in touch with me via Twitter or Facebook using at Backtracker UK with a capital V, capital T and a capital UK. But until then, take care guys and look after each other. This is a treat for all you Marvel fans out there. Finally, we're covering the villain origin story of Avengers Age of Pinocchio. Oh, or not. And today's that song from that movie. Zip it. Lock it. (laughs) I was about to say bop it. (laughs) Fix it. (laughs) No, put it in your pocket. What are these? <laughs> Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your high diddle dee dee host Dietrich, and today we're joined by a little puppet made of pine, Alex. Yep. <laughs> Move on. You don't want to come on that at all? Definitely like an eater. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we're also joined by the man from the happy land of carefree boys, Ben. <laughs> no, that one needs comment. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that one needs comment, did you say? Yep. No, it's fine. We can just go with that. I must say, I would definitely like to go to Pleasure Island. Just I'll avoid the booze. Not the carefree boys. <laughs> uh, yes, I would also avoid that just for legal purposes. If you want to go to Pleasure Island, it's a theme park in uh, Cleethorpes. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought you there's an actual official one, but yeah, the Cleethorpes one. <laughs> Not the Disneyland uh, one. The only one I know of is the one that's in Cleethorpes. In Cleethorpes. <laughs> there's the bar. <laughs> So, it's been a little while since we last recorded, so I'm going to ask a question. What have you been watching recently? But which could mean anything up to the last two and a half weeks. Yeah, I've watched a lot of Muck and Tripe. Just a lot of <laughs> whatever my wife puts on and falls asleep to. Uh, a lot of John Tucker Must Die. A film called Nine Dead. <laughs> a film called Nine Dead, which might be one of the worst films I've ever seen. With the lady who played Sabrina. I forget her name. Oh, is her name? Melissa Joan Hart. Melissa Joan Hart, that's the one. Um, I watched The Nightingale, which was actually a good film by the lady who did The Babadook. That was a really good film. Babadook? The Babadook. Boy, <laughs> but incredibly. I wish Babadook in the film actually said it like that because it wouldn't be as scary. <laughs> like Mamadook. <laughs> like like someone from Nottinghamshire. Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that, tripe. Uh, what about you, Alex? Um, my entire, uh, well, I don't know if I should say what period it is, Christmas, Winter, Year period. <laughs> no, I broke the wall. <laughs> has been taken up by watching a Netflix TV show called Bridgerton. Is it good? Well, it depends what you define as good or what TV shows you kind of like. 
it's it's ridiculous. What, 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 what should I like to like it? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of almost indefinable. Always, <laughs> it's a cross between something like Downton Abbey and Gossip Girl. Yeah, no, thank you. I'll skip. Yeah, it doesn't like it for me. <laughs> well, I made use of my Disney Plus account during this week and finally got around to watching the live action remake of Mulan. Yeah, I've still not, I've still not done it. No, I've not seen it. No, it is dull. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's really dull. Like I know they got rid of Musha and the songs and stuff like that, but. Oh, it's it's so boring. There's no jeopardy in the film. Like Mulan already knows how to do everything in the army. Like in the opening scene, it shows that she's already like a warrior well before, so she doesn't need any training. So it's 35 minutes of the film of them training, but for no reason. <laughs> so they're not getting down to business. There was only two good bits. Was one there's a cameo from Ma Ningwei. Is that her name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and also how they shoehorned all the song titles into it's like, hmm, you will bring an honour to us all. Wink, wink. Wink to camera. <laughs> nudge, nudge. She truly will become a girl worth fighting for. Wink. <laughs> There's no cricket or grasshopper either, which I'm sure will disappoint Michael Eisner. <laughs> this is, yeah, we, we will be talking about probably one of Michael Eisner's favourite films. <laughs> for obvious reasons. So today's episode is the songs of Disney's animated classic, Pinocchio. So to find out what's happening in the world when the movie came out, over to you, Ben. Yeah, crack knuckles. Damn, I can't crack knuckles. So yeah, we're going back all the way to February 1940. So obviously we've got World War II raging across much of Europe again, dominating the news, which means it's a bit harder to find non-war related facts. But I've done it because, you know, I'm amazing. Here's a tidbit. The very first Tom and Jerry cartoon created by William Hanna and Josie Barbera was debuted by MGM, but it was not with their actual famous names that we've come to know. Do you know what the original names of Tom and Jerry were? John and Terry. <laughs> Just like Cat and Mouse? It wasn't Cat and Mouse. It was slightly more... <laughs> so did they actually have names? Yes, they were. The names were Jasper and Jinx. Which way around was it? Was it was it still the same way around? I, you know what? I've tried to look this up and I have no idea. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, it's, it's just because Jinx sounds more like a cat's name than it does a mouse does, name. Whereas it? Jasper, I feel, could be both. Yeah, I mean, you could have said it the other way around. Jinx and Jasper. Or do you think it only works, Jasper and Jinx? No, I think it worked. I mean, ways. clearly they didn't think it worked at all anyway, so they went for a, a much more conventional Tom and Jerry. In other news, Gone with the Wind cleans up at the Oscars, taking eight in total. And I guess it was interesting just reading about it. I went on a bit of a dive again. I don't know if people are aware, but Hattie McDaniel, who was the winner of the Best Point Actress for the film, she was the first African-American to win an Oscar at this point. From reports at the time, and I was reading a few articles that came out sort of a few days afterwards, she was absolutely beaming with her award. And I couldn't really... I was trying to find the speech, but for some reason, all the quality ones were really poor. But apparently it was a bit of a tearjerker. I've got a snippet of the speech. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Yeah, go for it. Okay. This is one of the happiest moments of my life. And I want to thank each one of you who had a part in selecting me for one of their awards. For your kindness, it has made me feel very, very humble. And I shall always hold it as a beacon for anything that I may be able to do in the future. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry. My heart is too full to tell you just how I feel. And may I say thank you and God bless you. Which I think is quite beautiful, especially when you compare it to some of the tribe that people say nowadays. <laughs> Obviously, there was a lot of sort of shameful truths of that kind of surrounded that. Um, she wasn't able to sit with the rest of the cast at the Oscars. She had to sit on a segregated table. 
she wasn't able to go to the after party because they chose to go to a whites only bar. Uh, and she wasn't able to go to the premiere of the actual film because it was at a whites-only cinema, mm. which is, you know, it's just one of those stark just realizations of the time. Uh, and it was another fifty years exactly, nineteen ninety, until another black woman won an Oscar, which was Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost. But yeah, yeah. it was a nice thing to just kind of remember. And yes, obviously, in February nineteen forty, we also have the release of, as Dee put it, the animated classic Pinocchio. So, going into it, Pinocchio is a Disney animated movie based on the 19th century book by Carlo Collodi, in which an old... Good name. Yeah, very good name. They're always good names. Anything like pre-70s, always a good name. <laughs> yes, Dietrich, which is an... Uh... <laughs> That's a cool name. You've got a cool name. What are you saying about Alex? <laughs> yeah, no, well, Alex and Ben, you know, we can't really say much. Yeah, I need to rename you two to Jasper and Jinx. can I Jinx? Damn. So, yes, the story revolves around an Italian woodcarver who has his wooden puppet Pinocchio brought to life one evening by a blue fairy, who informs him that he can become a real boy if he proves himself to be a brave, truthful, and unselfish character. Spoilers. He fails. <laughs> well, to be fair, most of the film he is failing. <laughs> yeah. for, a, for a kid that seems to really want to be a real boy, he also really wants to get smashed. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of vices for someone that's only two days old. <laughs> this was the second animated feature film produced by Disney after the success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937. So, before we go into some stuff, I'm assuming you've both seen this film. What do you guys think? don't recall being a big fan of this one as a child, and as an adult looking back, I think this one really drags. Okay. I think you could easily cut out, maybe, just shy of an hour without affecting the plot. Keep the first bit, this puppet show... Well, inverted commas, puppet show. <laughs> yes. And then I think you could jump all the way to one of the Lost Boys from Peter Pan taken into Pleasure Island without losing anything worthwhile. And then you can still have the bit with the with Monstro. It almost felt like they felt they had to justify a runtime of 90 minutes to get people in the cinema, which I guess is something they learn in the future not to do with like Dumbo being on like 45 minutes or something. Is it really? I did not it's, know. It's, re- it's, it's really short, is Dumbo. It is short. I think it's longer than 45 minutes. <laughs> wow. But yeah, not a big fan of this movie. Though I do appreciate its uh, legacy. Yes. I really don't remember this one at all. And I was reading the plot earlier. I have seen it, like, way, 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 way ago on VHS. I don't think I've seen it since, to be honest. But when I was reading the plot, I was like, this sounds so bizarre. <laughs> like, what's going on? And there's just so much that I'd forgotten about. And, like, the part with the where they get turned into donkeys, it's like, when I read it, I remembered it. But then the whole bit about them sort of, like smoking and getting drunk on the way there to Pleasure Island. I was like, is this ringing a big bell? I was like, why is this a children's film? It's just absolutely crazy. And then there's a whole bit with the... Because I was thinking, there's a part with a whale? There is a part with a whale. And then, then I was like, but but when does that part come into the film? And why, and why is there so much randomness beforehand? Well, yeah, it's interesting you guys saying that. I mean, I watched this film last night, and yes, it had been a long time since I'd seen it before then. It's quite weird. There's a lot I appreciate of the film. I do get a sense of wonder seeing like early uses of techniques and like film techniques that have gone on to sort of be so inspirational for so many people being used in their like almost formative years. But yeah, the plot's quite, it's, it's almost episodic. Like he just keeps getting into these hijinks and then going back to the start and then getting taken again and then going back to the start. The, the connectives between when he goes to see Stromboli, when he's on Pleasure Island, when he has to tackle Monstro to get Geppetto back. 
they're very loosely connected in a weird sort of like it just doesn't make sense like he's just left pleasure island and he sat on the front step and the the blue fairy just brings a letter down to say oh by the way geppetto's been eaten by a whale and it's like oh we've got to go do this again it feels very like an episode of a cartoon like yeah, it has nothing yeah, related yeah. to what's just happened before. This sort of is kind of like it, if like all, all the Pinocchio stories were written in sort of like sections, and yes. then they've just like let's pick the best ones and piece them together as one story or something like that. Yeah, and I'm not 100% familiar if these sort of sections are directly inspired by the comics, and I definitely get you, Alex. The scenes on Pleasure Island, there's that sort of um, they're just quite scary. They remind me of like some of like sort of the weird German impressionist films we talked about with like Snow White. There's like where the donkeys just crying for their mum. When they're being taken away to like the circus or the salt mines, I mean that's, that's yeah. dark as, <laughs> yeah. While Pinocchio's just getting blazed, um, <laughs> so yeah, I I think I'm like D. I appreciate this film. There's little nods and things I like about it, but yeah, it's not my favorite. The film was initially a flop, mostly due to its release lack time. of strings. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> pause, pause for effect. Obviously, it was released in 1940, which hampered the international release. So the box office was poor overseas. It was since re-released after the war and has since become quite a huge success. And I think if you adjust for inflation, it's actually one of Disney's most successful films. It is one of only two Disney films that has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. You'd never guess the other one. Brother Bear. <laughs> it is definitely not Brother Bear. So what is it, an old one? It's The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh uh-huh. from the 70s. So yeah, I mean, it is considered one of the greatest animations of all time. I do think it's a massive improvement on Snow White. You do feel like they've got a bit more of a handle on what a feature-length animation is, but I think they're still getting a few gripes sorted. Like, yeah, how do we fill this runtime? What do we do here? The jump from Snow White to Pinocchio, animation-wise, it does feel like they're starting to like nail down what the Disney art style is going to be going forward. Yes, yeah. Like you don't have like in Snow White, as Alex said, like the, the taps being sort of weirdly designed. You don't sort of have that in this one. I think there's still bits they're getting used to. Like there's a bit where at the start where Jiminy Cricket, who's narrates the film, he like hops closer to the f- uh, to the house at the start, and the camera hops with him across the multiplane animation, and that's quite clever how they do it. And it's only like now look, watching the film that I'd actually noticed that as a kid. You don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I read a New York Times article from 1940 about the film. <laughs> Not enough tits. <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't say anything sexual related, fortunately. But what it does say is that it is superior to Snow White in every respect but one. And that's the score. I think it's true that the songs from Snow White are more memorable. Big. On the whole. Does it mean score as in like... Background music, or it, does it, it mean... means, but it t- it goes on to talk about both. I mean, I think I kind of agree, but we'll go into it a bit as we go on to talk about the songs from the film. So, the songs from the film were composed by Lee Harline, a staff writer for Disney who worked on most of the songs in Snow White, and he was assisted by Ned Washington and Paul J. Smith. So, I asked you guys before looking into this film, how many songs could you name from Pinocchio? To be honest, there was only. <laughs> so when you actually said it, there was only one that I actually remembered off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, so I had three in my head that I could think of. So so the one I remembered outright was When You Wish Upon a Star, which I think is probably yeah. the one that everyone would remember. Yeah, so the other two I had were Hi Diddle DD <laughs> and No Strings Attached by NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I got no strings. I mean, it, yeah, who who else is in, just inspired by the uh, the video for was it Bye 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 Bye? bye? Was, wasn't it? <laughs> but yes, I could name two. Ooh, I win. Yes, you do. So yeah, there are five original songs in Pinocchio. We will go through the songs in chronological order, covering the most famous ones in more detail and the others more just as footnotes. And we kind of start with the biggest song. And I think you can't really argue that personally. So the first song in the film, seen over the opening credits and featured throughout the film, is When You Wish Upon a Star. Written by Lee Harline and Ned Washington and performed by Cliff Edwards, who plays the role of Jiminy Cricket. So before we go into some details about this, what do you guys think of this song? In terms of Disney songs, I feel like it's one that everyone will know, but maybe not everyone would know which film it was from. I think probably because obviously it's the song that's on the opening credits of every Disney film, but it's not one that I'm particularly overly fond of. But I think in terms of its lasting power, you'd have to put it right up there. But I don't know whether that's because Disney have perpetuated that by having it as the introduction music. It's difficult to separate the song from that in my mind and as to whether it would be as big a song as it is. Because I think when we've discussed the AFI list in the past, it's like maybe right at the top or... It's very high. It might be the highest Disney song. It is the highest Disney song, yes. I guess my opinion of the song is very similar in the sense that I don't really associate it with Pinocchio. I just associate it with Disney. And it's. I guess it kind of is one of my favourite Disney songs just for when you're in the parks and they're doing the fireworks. 100%. And this is always the song where you can do the of the fireworks just as it's cracked into the chorus. So for me, that's what this song is. I'm in Disney World. I'm in Disneyland. I'm in... Paris, wherever, whichever one it is that you're in. <laughs> Not Pleasure Island, Cleethorpes. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I have a lot of nostalgia for this song, but I don't tie it to the film. I think it comes from cherished memories I have of being at Disneyland. And, and also, yeah, I think it does. It represents the Disney brand. And though that can be seen as the money-grabbing, monopolising company that it is, or the sort of what they try and push their image as, which is... Dreamweavers, anything is possible, <laughs> full of magic, childlike wonder. Author, Dreamweaver. <laughs> it is basically though, isn't it? This song represents what they want Disney to be about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's why since the 1980s, it has been the production company card. Yeah, the tune just reminds me of about that I'm about to start watching this different. <laughs> that, that, I think that's it. Do you think this is the biggest Disney song of all time then? Yes. Yeah, probably. But not because of its like because of its placement in the film. <laughs> I think that's the thing though. Like if I listen to songs that I think are better, you know, Circle of Life, A Whole New World, I think, oh, that's Lion King. Oh, that's Aladdin. Whereas when I hear yeah. this, I think that's Disney. Yeah. When we did the As Time Goes By, you said that that, they, that was used by a film called Warner company, Brothers. Yeah. Warner Brothers. But you'd, when you hear As Time Goes By, you don't think of Warner Brothers. You think yep. of you think of Casablanca. So that's kind of the opposite, isn't it, of yes. what's happening here? Yeah. So it's just interesting that this song from the film just became known as the Batman song. So yeah, as we've said in other episodes of this podcast, this song featured at number four in the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest Films, uh, Film Songs, sorry, and it's the highest of the five Disney songs that were on this list. Now, Harline and Washington wrote this song in 38, so two years before the film's release, and the producers knew it was going to be a hit when they heard it. Initially, they had Cliff Edwards record it for a test take, so he was the voice of Jiminy Cricket, but there was no intention initially for Jiminy Cricket to sing that song. 
it was always just expected to be a song over the title card and one that bookends the film with the closing credits. Towards the end of the production of the film, Walt Disney decided to have Jiminy Cricket's role changed to be more of like a narrator. So he kind of basically leads the film. Yeah. And, because, and so they just used the test take. They didn't get him to record it again. They just got him to use it. Now, Cliff Edwards, I've never heard of, but apparently he was a huge deal. He sold like 76 million records. Yes. Yeah. Pretty good going. And, and I think he's re-released this song like seven times in different versions. So... <laughs> Disco. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, apparently his nickname was Ukulele Ike. Check out his SoundCloud. <laughs> As if they didn't call him Ikelele. Like, why is it Ikelele? <laughs> it was already taken. Okay, so moving on to the second song from the film, which is Little Wooden Head. This song on the soundtrack is the second to be featured in the film and occurs when Geppetto sings it as he first uses his newly built marionette while a music box plays in the back. So this is pre-Pinocchio without strings. I had no idea of this song whatsoever. I still don't know. This isn't one of the ones I listen to. <laughs> no. Even though I watched this yes last night, I can't remember how this one goes. And every time I try to sing it, it just goes into like one of the Snow White songs. Yeah, it's not memorable Little at all. Head. Do, 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 do. <laughs> they weren't at the point yet where they were reusing songs and scenes. It's like a filler song. And to be fair, I feel like a lot of the songs in this film feel like filler songs. When the guy from the New York Times talked about the songs from Snow White being better, I just feel they had more, they were more interwoven in the narrative as well. Like, these just feel like, oh, we've got a break, let's have a song. Like a proper sort of pre-Oklahoma musical (laughs) when sort of songs would just sort of break away from the dialogue or the story and we just have a bit of a, of a jig. Do you think there's an element of them knocking out the park with the first song that they just put the feet up for the rest of them? <laughs> may well be, may well be, yeah. Maybe this was just things they were humming around the studio. <laughs> I mean, it's not memorable at all. I've never seen it on a Disney compilation album for which I have no. many. There's no fireworks display set to this song. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> The only thing I guess I thought was of note in this scene is that during the song, Geppetto introduces Pinocchio to his cat Figaro and his goldfish Cleo. Now, there's a lot written about Figaro and Cleo as being... Uh, Jasper and Jinx, please. (laughs) Yes, sorry. They were sort of two of the earliest anthropomorphized characters that had a main role, and they feel like that was the start of the production chain for keeping the animal sidekick going. Like, yeah, this is this is marketable. This is, you know, Christmas present yeah. under the tree. This is what we're doing. And apparently Walt Disney's favourite invention, like, in all of his films, was Figaro the cat. <laughs> and kind of made sure the cat had as big a role as possible. But yeah, these are sort of two of the earliest. Because there's no real... I know there's a lot of animals in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but there's not, like, a named animal, I don't think. Can't think of one. Exactly. So these two, note it down... This was the start of the cash-grabbing company that was Disney. I am wearing my Elsa dress as I speak. (laughs) I'm literally wearing a Disney t-shirt in Star Wars pyjama bottoms. (laughs) Sold out. I was just looking at myself then just to check, am I doing it? Nope, not got my Yoda socks on today. What about you, Alex? No, I am not wearing any Disney-related garments. You staying true to yourself, Alex. I like it. Yeah. Have you got any Cleethorpes-related gear? (laughs) Alex is Flamingoland through and through. Yeah, I am Flamingoland through and through, to be fair. Moving on, moving on. Give a Little Whistle is the third song in the film sung by Jiminy Cricket as he tries to explain the matters of being a conscience to Pinocchio and tells him if he needs him, he can always call and he'll be there. Although he really struggles to whistle, so I doubt he's going to be very successful. 
Alex, you remembered this song, or rather, you have listened to it since. Yes. State an opinion. So, th- <laughs> <laughs> so I th- this is an example of one of the songs I mentioned earlier where I heard it and I was like, I recognise this instantly. Yeah, I mean, what was their early obsession with whistling? Yes, yep. that's what I've written down. <laughs> like, this continues the, the Disney streak of whistle-related songs in movies. I don't ben, think there's one in You got that factoid? <laughs> I don't think there's, no, I didn't, actually. <laughs> I don't think there's one in Fantasia. I don't think the during the um, the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene there's a whistle going on. <laughs> there might be, actually. I think there's definitely a whistle in Dumbo, because there's that song about the train, isn't there? And the train. Oh, what, uh, yeah, what's, it, what's that train song called? Uh, Casey Jr. Casey <laughs> Jr.'s going up. I haven't got any whistling-related facts, and I'm ashamed to say that, unfortunately. Mm. Sorry, listeners. The only facts I have is that this was the first section of the film to be drawn by legendary Disney animator Ward Kimball, who was one of the lead artists on the film, and it was used as the tester to see how Jiminy Cricket would look and feel. So there's a lot of different uh, drawings of Jiminy Cricket. Some just don't look like a cricket. I don't know what they were doing. It's like when you see sort of early renditions of Yoda, and he's like this sort of 10-foot monster, (laughs) and he's like, well, that would have been a different film. I don't think Luke's going to carry Yoda that way. Uh, and yeah, maybe they just think, ah, just throw in a whistle song. Just do it. <laughs> but during this song is one of the most famous lines from the film. And then one I think has kind of just pervaded into just general society, which is the always let your conscience be your guide, which I think is a very famous Disney line. Maybe yeah. one they should stick with more often. <laughs> do you think Michael Eisner said it to himself? <laughs> the fourth song from the film. <laughs> <laughs> Which can we is... just go back? Can we actually? Can we actually just go back a second? A yeah, step? please do. Please, because like <laughs> Jimmy Cricket, so it's supposed to be his conscience. Yes, he does is. he do a great job? No, he's terrible because he gets like a gold badge at the end. Yeah. This, this I do remember, and it's like, oh, well, you, you know, you've helped him on his way. It's like he does some pretty, pretty bad stuff. Or not, no, not bad, but you know, like stuff that you know he he the, goes completely against the stuff that he was supposed to be doing, as foretold by the Blue Fairy. And it's, I don't think Jim Cricket does a fantastic job. I don't think he deserves yeah. a badge. He knows what he's doing as well when he says about the whistle. Because he knows Pinocchio can't whistle. So he's like, if you ever need me, just whistle. <laughs> just... Knowing full well that he's never going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really try and get him to stop going against Monstro. I mean, it's like a blue whale. He's going to get absolutely just broken into pieces of shingle. Also, there's a good 10 minutes where he's underwater. No idea how he survives. It was really off-putting to watch. Uh, so I don't think he's a cricket at all. I think he's an imagination of the um, the obvious psychosis that's going on inside of Geppetto's head. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things like in Beauty and the Beast, when Beast becomes a human at the end, he looks worse than the Beast. It's definitely not sexy. Yeah, definitely not sexy. Pinocchio looks weird as a real boy. It just puts me off. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, he looks more realistic as a, as a wooden mannequin. The fourth song from the film, which is seems to be a famous one for us because we're all humming it, is known as the first ever Disney villain song. Another fact for you there. It's performed by Honest John. Now, if someone's called Honest John, <laughs> they're never honest, are they? Can we, can we give him his full name? Because I just I saw this before oh, and it said his name is Jay Worthington Fowl Fellow, also known as Honest John the Fox. Yep. <laughs> Good name. <laughs> That's a name. Jay Worthington Fowl Fellow. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great. He's a, he's a very Fagin type. So he's the con artist in the film, and he takes Pinocchio to Stromboli's caravan, telling him that he will become the star he wants to be. I mean, did he want to be a star? Pinocchio, he needs to get his values straight. 
I don't know what he actually wants in this life. <laughs> the tune is a light motif during the film to represent temptation, despite its upbeat tempo. Honest John sings it twice. I think once when he's getting again really drunk. Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of ale necked in this film, and there's instrumental versions of the song heard uh, at Pleasure Island while Pinocchio is attempting to enjoy himself. <laughs> what do you think of this brief song? So is is this? So- is this song is it's a pirate's life to be? That's what I want to know. Where which came first? Uh, uh, I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess. Would if it's Magic Kingdom, it might have been a ride before this film. I don't. That's not the song from Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Is it not? No, no, no I don't think that, it's from. That's Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. What's Alex singing? Oh wait, no, it is. <laughs> it's, it's the song. Yeah, it's it's it the Overbell singing. Yeah, sorry. But does that pirate song come from Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't know. Or is it just the pirate standard? I thought it's from the pirate songbook. The pirate songbook. Michael Bublé sings the pirate songbook. Like I think we've I think we're slowly realizing that Disney just rehash a lot. Clearly. For you guys, what what did you what would you call this? What would you name this song as? Hi, diddle dee dee. Right, okay. Well, Alex, what about you? Um, well, when I when I looked up, it was called Hi Diddly Dee Dee. Definitely not on the same level, but with Hi Ho, we all sort of went the lyrics out what I thought they were. With this, yes. I always thought it was Hi Diddly, like how Ned Flanders would say Diddly, like Hi Diddly Dee. But it's Hi Diddle Dee Dee. Hi Diddle Dee Dee. Yes, which I think is hard to say. It doesn't quite fit in. Like he actually wrote Diddly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's it's one of those sort of earworm songs. But I had no memory of this song until I watched it. I just have that hi diddle dee dee in my head over and over. Yeah, I think as well, like the characters, like even when I saw a picture of them, I was like, "Is that Pinocchio?" If, if someone should, you know, like did like you did like a qu- like a picture quiz of yes. like, which Disney films are these characters from, I probably wouldn't have been able to guess. Well, like yeah, it's quite interesting. One of the while Walt Disney was still trying to develop loads of different styles. He obviously we know of the multiplane camera, which was like layers of images on top of each other to give depth. Yep. There's like a weird watch this scene back if you're listening. It's really interesting. It's like a they use the multiplane camera, but it's almost like a, a tracking shot across the town. And they use it a few times. The day after Pinocchio first is awakened, there's this tracking shot over the town. And it's it's amazing how they do it. And right at the start in the night sky when it's kind of going through the town, it's incredible how they do it. I mean, even now, I don't really understand it, but it's just, and I think, Alex, because they've tried to focus so much on technique on this scene, the Pinocchio does look really weird, like it's a quick sketch of Pinocchio, uh, and their movements are a bit off. I think they, again, they were really trying to sort of focus on this uh, new technique. The fifth and final song featured in the film is I've Got No Strings, performed by Dickie Jones, who voiced Pinocchio. In the scene where the song features, Pinocchio performs after being captured by Stromboli and is joined throughout by different puppets representing different nationalities and styles of dance, some of which perform their own verse in the song. The song is initially interrupted as Pinocchio says he has no strings to hold him down, to which he subsequently falls down. I did know this song. I've seen it on many a soundtrack of Disney compilation albums. And finally, I get back to one where I actually quite like. I don't know about you guys. Well, obviously, I know this song because I watch Marvel movies. Yes. Do you know what he's referencing, Alex? I actually don't know. 
I mean, I think I've seen the Marvel films, but I only once. <laughs> the Marvel films. <laughs> yes. Yes, the, yes. Marvel pictures. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The, Iron, the Iron Boy. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think you're talking about the Man of Iron. Yes, Captain USA. Yes, yes, yes. It was the sequel to The Man in the Iron Mask. <laughs> yeah, that, no, I would have watched that. <laughs> but anyway, this song. It's all right. <laughs> no, no, that's, to be fair, that's one of the most interesting things I was, I've found, I guess, going on the YouTube comments and I clicked on various different versions of this song. Every single comment refers to Ultron or Marvel films or, hey, there's a weird robot guy that sings this song in that film. And yeah, my little cousin is more aware of this song from Age of Ultron than Pinocchio because Marvel is so damn huge. Yeah. So hot right now. The use in the trailer for Age of Ultron was absolutely incredible at the time. It's, it's going yes. back, it's probably one of the best trailers of like the past 15 years. Yeah. Even if the film didn't quite give the goods in terms of uh, what it promised. No, definitely not. And yeah, I mean, Alex, do you remember this song? I do. When I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, this, I should have remembered this one. This was like the other big one that, uh, other than the main song. That I was like, yeah, this is the song from Pinocchio. <laughs> Whereas I think some of the other ones, like I said, like you could have played with them and I was like, yeah, it's a Disney song, but I don't know what from what film. Whereas this one is like, can only be tied to this film, I think. Or, or Marvel Age of Ultron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, and I actually remembered when I, when I heard the song the first time, not the first time, but the first time this morning, um, I remembered, <laughs> like I could visualise the scene as well. So yes, I, yes. it was. It, I think it was one of the ones that was like I, I just knew one hundred percent what it was and where it was from and where it featured and I could I could properly visualize everything that went along with it. So I think for me, obviously, this therefore would be a standout song of the film. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I feel like it's it's very much a song of the time as well, and I think that's the big difference to when you wish upon a star. That song has been covered many times. I think it lends itself to a ballad which is timeless. You know, you've had people, yeah. Barbara Streisand, Beyonce, people like this sing that song. You can't really modernise that. Ultron thing, he does it with a sort of a gravitas of speaking it, which is a bit different. It's very William Shatner. But as well, it's almost done in like a parody. Like, it's, it's parody, isn't it? Yes, it is very yeah, much it's, so. It's not, yes. it's not sung with earnest like people would sing um, no. When You Wish Upon a Star. But I think it's because of the emotive nature of that song, isn't it? That's why that's like a standard, to use the word again. Like, like why that's a, a song that so many people cover and do cover versions of. It's, whereas this one's just like, unless you were doing a jokey version, why would you? Exactly. It's a film that's so intrinsically linked to the idea of Pinocchio that it can't be separated, whereas the other one clearly can. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. This is the fifth and final song, original song from the film. Yet its occurrence is 36 minutes into the film, and there's still another 55 minutes. It's very odd, that. I told you, this one drags. <laughs> well, see, I think it's opposite. I think the second half of the film is, is miles better. Like, the bit, the bit with Monstro, like, again... The, the animation of the water is incredible. And that whole scene is he's incredibly scary. And the bits on Pleasure Island, yeah, they're quite macabre. But I think yeah. that's more interesting. Like the bits where, he, oh, look, he's got, oh, look, Honest John's taking him down a stroll of the road. Yeah, I don't <laughs> need that. I'm all right. No, I completely agree. The second half of this film is, is so much better. The way I would describe the first half is, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Yeah. Yep, fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> Top five time. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, Pinocchio is one of only two films that has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. But of the original Disney films, I want to know what are the worst reviewed films. <laughs> so, 
I am not cool including things like Planes or Jungle Book 2, Electric Boogaloo or <laughs> The Doug Movie. We're not going for these things. I want actual original <laughs> Disney cinematic films. So the worst okay. five. Okay, let's uh, take a stab at fun and fancy free. I don't even know what that is. Exactly. No, I don't. I, I, I was thinking more like Atlantis. Number three. Number three. On the same vein, Treasure Planet. No, oh, Treasure Planet. Alex. No, treasure, no Alex, <laughs> come on. Alex, yeah, you've been really you've been ridiculous now. Brother Bear, do you mention earlier? Brother Bear is number one. Is it? <laughs> yeah, the worst reviewed Disney original. It's all around the same time frame. Like, it's Chicken Little next. Chicken Little is number two in the list. <laughs> yep, Chicken Little. <laughs> so you've got the top three. Brother Bear, Chicken Little, Atlantis. Dinosaur. Oh, I watched that recently. It wasn't that wasn't that bad? No, dinosaurs not on this list. Can you give us some sort of um, time frame windows for these last two? Again, D, think of the time that you've just said Chicken Little and Brother Bear. There's one that sandwiches them. <laughs> oh, Bolt's great. <laughs> Home on the Range. Home on the Range is oh, number five. Oh, Olive, 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 the cat one. Oliver and Company. Yes, Oliver number four. Well done. <laughs> yeah. The Black Cauldron is also the same as Home on the Range, but it has a better audience score, so I kept it in. I feel like the Black Cauldron is actually really genuinely good, though. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> maybe it's a cult film. <laughs> this sort of run of Brother Bear, Home on the Range, Chicken Little might be some of the worst sort of productions of any studio. We smashed that anyway. Well done. Okay, so now it's time for the ultimate question of what is the best song of Pinocchio? I'll just go first straight away and say it's Wish Upon a Star. Alex? I'll go second and say it's Wish Upon a Star. I'll go third and say it's When You Wish <laughs> Upon a Star. Oh, Ben. Because that's the name of the song. 2-1 victory to us, Ben. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> So that brings a close to our episode regarding Pinocchio. Let us know what you think the best Pinocchio song is on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is what, Alex? TSF, TMPod. Nailed it. So you can help the podcast out by sharing this on a subreddit. Ben, what subreddit should they pick this week? Oh, that's a good question. Oh God, I actually don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly not coming up with anything. My mind's gone blank. Alex, save the podcast. Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> The Jay Worthington Fowl Fellow uh, subreddit. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> I don't know what was the what was the worst Disney film? Brother Bear, the Brother Bear. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, that's where we go. We're going the Brother Bear subreddit. You can also help us by signing up to our Patreon. It starts from one pound a month or one dollar fifty. You can do that on patreon.com forward slash tsftm. If you sign up, you might have a chance of being on the podcast in the future. And finally, you can help us by buying our merchandise, tpublic.com forward slash tsftm. You name it, we probably don't have it, but we have a lot of stuff. <laughs> so all left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. It's a thong! And goodbye from Ben. <laughs> yeah, goodbye, honestly, I can't copy that. <laughs> so, goodbye everybody. Bye! 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 Yeah! Okay, top five. One second, let me actually get it up. Is it top five songs from Pinocchio? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, Alex. That's the segment afterwards. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>